The life of Daniel is one of the most unusual biographies in the Bible because here was a man who spent almost his entire adult life in the public view. There wasn't a mark against him. Moses, Moses actually killed an Egyptian man. And then Noah, well, he got drunk one time. And then David, a man after God's own heart, he actually committed adultery and then murder after that. But Daniel, he's different. He's one of a handful of Bible characters that actually get through their lives, keep the faith continually. He wasn't perfect, but he was faithful over the long haul. We might compare him to somebody like uh, Billy Graham who passed away not too long ago. Just a person who stood the test of time and maintained his character over the long haul. And that's who Daniel was. So in Daniel chapter 1, we're going to see Daniel displaying conviction over compromise. And here he is, he's involved with King Nebuchadnezzar, and at the time the Jewish king was Jehoiakim, and King Nebuchadnezzar came to Jerusalem, and he put the holy city of Jerusalem under siege. And the Lord allowed this pagan king to come in and overtake Jerusalem, and even steal sacred items from the temple. But Nebuchadnezzar didn't stop there. Look at Daniel 1, verse 3. Then King Nebuchadnezzar ordered Ashpenaz, his chief officer, to bring some of the men of Judah into his palace. He wanted them to be from important families, including the family of the king of Judah. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar wanted only young Israelite men who had nothing wrong with them. They were to be handsome and well-educated, capable of learning and understanding, and able to serve in his palace. Ashpenaz was to teach them the language and writings of the Babylonians, and the king gave the young men a certain amount of food and wine every day, just like the food he ate. And the young men were to be trained for three years, and then they would become servants of the king of Babylon. And among these young men were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah from the people of Judah. Daniel's probably 16 to 18 years of age at this time, and he and three of his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that we'll hear about in a later message, they were part of that group taken captive by the Babylonians. And the reason for the captivity was actually a combination of two different things. Jehoiakim was a ruthless king over Judah at the time. He had no regard for God's word whatsoever. He even took a knife and cut a portion of God's word out of the, the scrolls that they had. And the second reason was because of the scheming Babylonian king on the other side of the fence. And his name was Nebuchadnezzar. And it's important for you to realize that Babylon was the center of idol worship at the time. And in the book of Jeremiah, God had warned his people that this captivity was going to happen if the people continued to move toward idolatry. So I believe that God allowed this to be taking place, God's people to be taken over and relocated to the capital city of idolatry for a very good reason. He's saying, 
I can't cure you of your addiction to idols, so I'll take you to the source of it all. Then you'll realize what idolatry is really like. So can you imagine being uprooted? Well, this has happened for a number of you, not uprooted, but you made the decision to move away from your family. But just imagine moving 1,158 kilometers into a pagan environment. It's the same way any Prince Edward Islander feels when they leave the island. You, you just don't know what you... No. You don't. But, so what does it take to stand the test and choose conviction over compromises? So let's see what we can learn from Daniel. And his first response when he was taken into that carnal culture was he decided not to defile himself. So in Daniel 1 verse 8... Daniel decided not to eat the king's food or drink his wine because that would make him unclean. So he asked Ashpenaz for permission not to make himself unclean in this way. So he literally chose not to pollute himself or stain his reputation. And on the surface, you might be thinking, well, what's wrong with eating a little bit of food or or drinking a little bit of wine? But here's why. In Daniel's eyes, those things were defiled. And here's what was going on. These Jewish men were assigned food that came from the king's table, wine that came from his table. It was probably very attractive, probably tasted really well as well. And there was only one problem. According to the Jewish law, they couldn't eat a lot of the food that was prepared for them. And the Levitical law actually told them that the wine that they were drinking was actually a form of an offering to an idol. It was a toast to a pagan god that the Babylonians worshipped. So Daniel is faced with a decision to eat and drink, thereby sacrificing spiritual conviction by acknowledging that there are pagan gods, or else do what God would want and face the consequences of a ruthless king with no regard whatsoever to human life. It's so easy for us to just kind of go along with the program and rationalize by saying, look, we're captives. We're in a foreign country. We have no option. And this is just such a small matter. God will understand, and he'll make an exception. After all, you've got to eat, and God knows what my heart really is. But I like the way it's phrased in the Living Bible. Daniel made up his mind not to eat the food. So spiritual battles, they often begin in the mind. And it starts out seemingly small and insignificant. You stretch the truth to make yourself look better. You deceive your spouse and you say, no, he's just a good friend. Or you have selective memory when filling out your taxes. And you rationalize by saying, No one is watching. The only person in the world that will know is me. But here's my challenge for you. When no one is looking, I want you to have integrity. I wonder what Daniel thought about. Did he think about his family? Did he think about his godly upbringing? Did he think about his friends? Hebrews 12.1 says, We are surrounded by a great cloud of people whose lives tell us what faith means so let us run the race that is before us and never give up we should remove from our lives anything that would get in the way and the sin that so easily holds us back so if daniel had weakened and given in 
then that would have been a terrible testimony to those other Jewish captives. So I'm just wondering if he chose to set the bar really high so that he could inspire others to lift up their faith as well. So Daniel decides he's not going to eat this food. He's not going to drink that wine. He's not going to defile himself. And there's a second way to do what's right when no one is watching. And that is Daniel verbalized his intentions. Gary Chapman wrote a very successful book called The Five Love Languages. And in marriage, every spouse actually responds to one of those types of love the most. And the key thing is we've got to find out which it is. Because I can go around the house straightening it up all day. And it doesn't impress my wife at all because that's not her love language. There are things like words of affirmation, acts of service, which I just mentioned, receiving gifts, quality time, physical touch. But one thing he said was wives shouldn't expect their husbands to know the perfect gift to be given to them. They shouldn't expect their husbands... I'm getting off the hook here. They shouldn't expect their husbands to know how to plan that perfect getaway. Like, don't let them do it. Mess up and then get mad at them afterwards, but tell them ahead of time what you expect. Daniel, he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way, and then he shared his concern. When no one's looking, it's easier to compromise your commitment Just go with the flow, but not if you're Daniel. He doesn't try to hide the real reason for refusing to eat and drink these generous offerings from the king. Bring it out into the open. So he says, this is what I believe. This is who I am. So call attention to the struggle or the disagreement. Share it with others. In AA, they say, you're only as sick as your secrets. So sharing your thoughts and feelings with others, that leads to integrity. Years ago, I was golfing with my cousin Jeff over in PEI, and on one of the holes, he hit his second shot up by the green. That's the area that's really short, uh, mowed really short. Still not the right way. I'll get it for the second service. And his ball was just in the rough, in the longer grass. He took a shot up by the hole, one putt, and put it in. And on the way to the next hole, I said, Jeff, that's a good four that you had. He said, no, it was a five. I said, four, wasn't it? You took two shots to get up by the green, one chip, one putt. He said, but you guys, when you weren't looking in that long grass, I actually took what you thought was a practice swing, but I was trying to hit the ball, and I missed it completely. So I had a five. And I'm thinking, that's why he was such a... well, still is a respected dairy farmer on PEI. That's why he served as the PEI rep on the National Milk Marketing Board. But then I thought I had him one time. He, my brother, and I were golfing at Fox Meadow on PEI, and it's named for a good reason. My brother hit a ball into the woods, and the fox went and actually picked up his ball. Jeff hit his into the long rough, which was really hard to hit out of, Dropped my brother's ball there, picked up Jeff's. Then I, as usual, hit a perfect drive down the middle, and the fox carries Jeff's ball up to mine, drops it, and then disappears with my ball. And I said, you're cheating if you take that ball, but the rules say whatever happens, you you have to go with that. 
so I still couldn't get him. Since it was early in the captivity, it would have been so easy for Daniel to say, I just got here. I'm going to lay low for a while. I'm going to let my boss see what I'm like, see my work ethic, and kind of win him over that way. But instead, he goes and he decides that he is going to follow through on his convictions. As he figured, maybe maybe I could gradually just share with them about my habits and, and some of their habits that make me feel uncomfortable. Most people in his sandals would have said, Come on, that's not any big deal. This isn't Joseph facing a moral temptation. This is just a small matter of eating and drinking. It's no biggie. But as we'll see throughout this series, there's a reason that Daniel and his friends are involved in some of the most dramatic moments in the Old Testament. So here's Daniel away from home. He's away from the temple. No synagogue to go to on the Sabbath. A lot of accountability has been removed. And Satan must have been whispering, you know, what happens in Babylon stays in Babylon. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself, and part of that was verbalizing this to others. He was so wise that he actually made an extra layer of accountability. Sharing it lets others know of your intentions. So learn a lesson from Daniel. Tell your coworker. Okay, I'll go on that business trip with you, but I'm not going to be involved in the after-hours activities that you normally are. Or early on in your prom date, let your intentions be known that they are pure and you're looking forward to having a great non-alcoholic time together. So in verse 9, God made Ashpenaz, the chief officer, want to be kind and merciful to Daniel. But Ashpenaz said to Daniel, I am afraid of my master, the king. He ordered me to give you this food and drink. If you begin to look worse than the other young men your age, the king will see this. Then he will cut off my head because of you. So through all of this, Daniel trusted God. He didn't know what the outcome was going to be, but he devised a plan that would allow him the opportunity to maintain his faith and his principles. So we pick up in verse 11. Ashpenaz had ordered a guard to watch Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And Daniel said to the guard, Please let us, or give us this test for ten days. Don't give us anything but vegetables to eat and water to drink. After ten days, compare how we look with how the other young men look who eat the king's food. See for yourself, and then decide how you want to treat us, your servants. See, there's a huge risk thinking that in 10 short days there's going to be this huge transformation in the way that they look compared to the other servants of the king. But it was more trust than risk. And our problem is that we don't trust God enough. We don't have the willpower to handle the pressure or the ridicule. We don't just trust that he'll take care of our physical needs. Daniel was basically putting his life on the line and saying, okay, God, this is in your hands. It's almost like I'm rolling the dice. Another phrase we use here is putting all my eggs in the one basket, and that's trust. But still, the pressure had to be so intense. He's in a pagan country where he's surrounded by idol worship, and yet he's receiving pampered treatment. He appears to have every reason not to trust God, 
After all, it seems like God hasn't been looking after him up to this point. He's been pulled away from his home country. And as I share that description, for some of you, maybe you feel as if this describes you at your work environment, or maybe it's your circle of friends. It might even be people within your own family. Because in those settings, your faith is tested, your beliefs are questions, your values are ridiculed, and you have to decide whether you're going to stick to your commitment or not. Daniel had to choose either faith or fear. And as a young man, he'd witnessed the horrors of war. The brutal Babylonians had stormed his homeland, burning down houses and killing soldiers. And then when they were besieged by the Babylonians, the Bible stories of what the Jewish people had to eat in order to survive would turn your stomach. So Daniel must have been terrified of them. And even the Babylonian officials, they were terrified of the king as well. So Daniel's lonely, He's afraid, but he put his trust in God because God was greater than this fear of men. And he was going to choose conviction over compromise and be faithful when no one was watching. So please let this story motivate you when you're in that moment when you feel as if no one is watching. And then when you're afraid, rely on the instruction that we see in God's word. In Proverbs 3, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. So Daniel was faced with either conforming or allowing God to transform him through his strength, and that was it. Daniel chose to remember who he was. He chose to be a person of integrity, even though no one was watching. But let's read on and see the rest of the story. Verse 15. After 10 days, they looked healthier and better fed than all the young men who ate the king's food. So the guard took away the king's special food and wine, feeding them vegetables instead. At the end of the time set for them by the king, Ashpenaz brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked to them and found that none of the young men were as good as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So those four young men became the king's servants. Every time the king asked them about something important, they showed much wisdom and understanding. They were ten times better than all the fortune tellers and magicians in his kingdom. So I wonder what it would take for you for the next ten days. What can you take on? Maybe you can say, I choose to read my Bible for the next 10 days. Or I choose not to gossip about anyone for the next 10 days. Or I choose not to visit any questionable websites for the next 10 days. Or I won't indulge in my addiction for the next 10 days. Or maybe I'll pray for 30 minutes a day for the next 10 days. For many people, when they feel that no one is watching, they kind of drop their guard and the Bible is filled with examples like that. Cain killed his brother Abel, and he thought nobody was watching. Joseph's brothers threw him into an old well and left him there, and they thought nobody knows our little secret. When Moses killed that Egyptian man, he thought it was just the two of them, so there would be no one to tell what had happened. And how about Judas and the chief priests and the arrest of Jesus after dark when nobody would see what was watching? 
See, Luke 22, 52, this is what Jesus said. Those who came to arrest Jesus were leading, the leading priests, the soldiers who guarded the temple, and the elders. And Jesus said to them, You came out here with swords and clubs as though I were a criminal. Why could Daniel make that right decision? It was because he actually planned this beforehand. He didn't wait. He was ahead of it. Because the word in Hebrew for resolved actually conveys the idea that he actually made the decision long before he was actually presented with the temptation. He'd put himself in the situation ahead of time so it didn't have to be a pressured decision. And for you, you need to know ahead of time that being a Christ follower may result in some of your friends departing from you. You may lose some clients because of that. We know that Daniel was decisive, and if you have a tough decision to make and the time comes to make it, like don't waver on that. Make the decision quickly. The Babylonian masters could change many things about Daniel's life. They could change his name, which they did. They could change his address. They could change his diet. But they couldn't change his heart. He wouldn't compromise his convictions. And those are champion-making moments when no one is watching. And although it might cost him his position in the palace and perhaps even his life, he said, my belief in God is not something that is for sale. His faith in God and his personal integrity were more important than his life. The proverb writer said, Being respected is more important than having great riches. To be well thought of is better than silver or gold. And that's a verse that I used a long time ago in a message. But that, to be respected, is much more important than having all the riches in the world, all the silver and the gold. Sometimes we compromise their integrity because rather than relying on the Holy Spirit, we try to live by the flesh, and Satan is able to influence us. In Thanksgiving weekend, 2009, my youngest daughter, Ainsley, her team made the national under-18 soccer championships, so we went to Edmonton with her, and my wife, Pat, and I stayed with a cousin that I have that lives in that city while Ainsley was uh, housed with the team. And after we had rented a vehicle during the week we were there, and about a week after we arrived home, I got a note from the rental company saying that I had a speeding ticket for $104.98. And they had actually just charged me that much for taxes as well. So I thought, okay, this is something. They're just trying to pull more money out of me. So I asked for some evidence. So they sent me an email, and there was a picture there. And leading up to this picture, I need to tell you that when I talked about us getting a speeding ticket, my wife immediately volunteered. Oh, that was Friday night. I was late getting Ainsley back from shopping, and she was going to miss curfew, and I was speeding. So I went with that. But I received this email, and there was a picture, and behind the wheel was me rushing to get Ainsley to her early morning game. I didn't know the speed limit on that street was 60. I was driving 80. I thought the speed limit was 80. But apparently, I didn't really say anything about this to my wife for some time after that. 
possibly even admitted it to my men's life group first and then straightened things out with my wife. So those of you who thought I was perfect, there, I'm not. You can relax now and stop looking for things. They're all over the place. I know the title of my message is When No One Is Looking, but in all honesty, that's misleading because someone is watching what goes on in your life and it's beyond video surveillance cameras on streets. And I'm talking about the God of the universe. The Bible says in Romans 14, 12, so each of us will have to answer to God. So the Bible says there is one who sees what is done in secret and he will reward you. And here's the point. If you make your choices based on whether or not you think that others can see what you're doing, then you won't always make the wisest decision. But if your actions follow your convictions, it won't matter if someone sees you or not. For someone is looking, and that someone wants you to win the battle long before that temptation presents itself. You have been created in the image of God, and he loves you, and he longs for you to resolve that by taking a stand early on. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can trust him, and you can come through and choose conviction over compromise. Maybe for you today, it's time to do an about-face and say, Lord, I'm totally sold out to you, and I determine that I am not going to mess up my life by taking on the sins that are being tempted in my life. And maybe you need to say, Lord, I want to put my trust in you. I'm willing to turn my life over to you. Or maybe you've already been baptized into Christ, committing your life to him, and you want to be a part of this church. We, we sometimes offer that opportunity as well for you to make that decision.